Welcome to the Clobbercast, proudly presented to you from Clobbercall, all the way from Sheffield, England. Ben, Glenn, take it away. How are we doing, Glenny baby? All right, apart from Ed Button, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> poor Mike. I know. He's <laughs> a great poor guy, isn't he? I know. He gets spat on all day and then head butted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, how's life? Bit of rushing here today, wasn't it? It were, mate. Yeah, it's been a mad, mad day. All my worldly questions that I wanted to ask you before we went on air. I haven't been able to. No, so we have to do them embarrassingly live. Well, not embarrassingly, it's just you've got to... Upload your advent calendars in here. Yeah. I feel like you've been to Boots and took advantage of some sort of offer. No. <laughs> uh, we do have uh, 13 advent calendars. Yeah, that comes on. I'm lucky for some. Uh, yeah, well, not for us because we got them sent from a client and they're full of really, really nice chocolate. Looks like German chocolate. Definitely it's German. Is it? Yeah. For Wachnachten. That one. That <laughs> one. So, yeah. How's life? All right, mate. Sir, just a bit tired today. Uh, little boy, full of cold. Nursery. He was up at four o'clock, and then I woke up with him, and I thought, well, I might as well not go back to sleep because I had to be up at half six anyway. So I've been to and from Liverpool today. Ooh, really? Yeah, bit our, of a meeting over there. Our M62. Awful as usual. Took me two and a half hours to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So on like a seventy-mile journey. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Crackers. Mm. Um, but yeah, apart from that. Um, all good, just a bit tired, but you know, it is um, what it is. Yeah, bought some wheels today. Wheels, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for my next bike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> randomly. Like if you're about a new car, no, or, no, you know, just, like if you've just, just gone all hit on me, no? just bought some wheels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I you know, it's like who buys wheels for cars? Just think that's gonna make it better. I don't know, I don't know, it's not my gig. It's not, uh, well, you buy wheels for bikes, evidently. I do, yeah. That's because the bike that I've bought has got none on. So, <laughs> <laughs> so definitely needed some. So you've technically bought an Ike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Until um, you put wheels on it, it's just a piece of metal. It is. It is exactly that. Um, the invention of the wheel. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Uh, I've just been working in shop. I've been on my own. Amanda's been at a denim show in London. So I've spent quite a bit of time mm-hmm. on my own in the store. Talking to the customers. Busy? Tidying, cleaning. Yeah, yeah, busy, yeah. That 12 days of Christmas thing's going off in it, which results in loads of inquiries. Indeed, indeed. Um, uh, hopefully so. everybody's catching their emails as well, because uh, I really like these ones. Yeah, they're good. They look really, really nice. Um, mm. So uh, what was, or what is today's offer? It is spend 60 quid, spend 70 quid, and you get a raglan. Ah. Which is 40 quid. Ah, which is actually better than the first day of Christmas. Yeah, it is. In a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. We're getting closer to Christmas. So, are they, does, it, there's no saying if the offers get better or not. I suppose what you're after, isn't it? Yeah, 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 it depends what you're after because that Red Wing one, you got a care kit and that did really well because that one out to do with mm. a clobber cam garment. That's the only one that isn't. All the rest of them are evolved around. Ah. Uh, you know, his own stuff. 
yeah. that we're wanting to gift, but the care kit just seemed to fit in really well with, <coughs> yeah. you know. That's that. good. Brill. And it so, was Wednesday, weren't it? So Red Wing Wednesday. And yeah, yeah. So, obviously, this podcast is going out tomorrow, so if people listen to it nice and early tomorrow, they will be able to know what tomorrow's offer is. Yes. So can I'll you let the cat out Instagram, of the back? I, I can't remember. All right. There's another... Mind you, there is 12. Another six, yeah. I can't remember what order they're in. Uh, I put it out at 10 a.m. Right. So what I do at 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> is you see is which dig one in it and is. see which one it is. <laughs> I could probably tell you them all like sporadically. Yeah, it's well, just in order yeah. now. But uh, yeah, so now they'll have to uh, they'll have to hook on over to the profile and take a look at 10 a.m. Yeah, good. all be on the mailing list. Yeah, that's cool. So that's how that works. Yeah, we've got a guest on today. We haven't done this for a while, have we? Phone guest. I was just thinking that we've not actually been in the office today. Yeah, uh, in the office for for a ages. while. No, no, we're getting back on track now, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, it's a good guest. It's uh, you know, he's returning a favour. I did a video podcast with him that's yes. on YouTube uh, mm-hmm. a few weeks back. It's Bazad from Naked, Naked and Famous. Famous Denim. Yeah. So. I think this will be a really good opportunity to get stuck into his ribs because obviously on his own podcast he doesn't talk about him. He might talk about products that they do, but he doesn't talk about himself and the company and how it started and stuff because you, you don't really, do you? No. Uh, so yeah, I've got a list of questions here, Glenn, to get stuck into his ribs with, well. and see how we uh, and see how we get on. I think it will be good fun though. Yeah, he's definitely. got incredible hair. Have you seen his picture on his WhatsApp? Oh, no. <laughs> it's uh, it's like it's immense. It's like that is hair. Oh wow, that is hair. It's it, it's like Pocahontas. Yeah, that's a mega mm. head of hair. Ageless. And um, well, I was gonna say where is Bazard and all that sort of stuff, but let's get into his ribs with that. Yeah, I think shortly. he'll be in Canada, ain't he? But right. So yeah, just that. Yeah. So do you know what else? Um, not really. Um, trying to get into the Christmas spirit a bit. Mm. Um, but it, it's not really my thing but I've got to pretend that I am because I've got kids I think it's one of them where if you don't like me you can just sort of pass it all by until maybe 24, 48 hours before mm-hmm. and then I'm you can like start that. letting your thing go a little bit because you're a busy man so you've got yeah stuff to do yeah well we're doing this first Christmassy thing on Saturday is that you do? Uh, no, story. no, we, we haven't even got time to do one, we're that busy. Really? Um, but uh, we're going to link, I'm going to link them with family and we're going to Santa's Grotto and they're going ice skating. So that'll be all right, we've got Santa at half past four. So, uh, you know, typical sort of family stuff really, getting it, getting it all sorted. Um, but ultimately for you, it's fucking work, 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 isn't it up to, mm-hmm. God, it's got to be up to what? Christmas Eve? Yeah, it's just constant, yeah. yeah. And then back in what, Boxing Day? Now I think, well, a piece of me says, oh, you should be up on Boxing Day. And another piece of me says, everybody's going to be in pub. You definitely shouldn't, and I need to see my kiddies and yeah. family and stuff like definitely. that. So, you know, when you're a small business like us, mm. just, yeah. know, I'm hoping I can skip Boxing Day at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I bought family round to my house. Mm. Create a beige buffet. Yeah. <laughs> 20 minutes oven, everything. Yeah. <laughs> just keep the other one, just keep sliding trays in and out every 20 minutes. It's meant. With some sweet chilli dip. Mm. <laughs> That's it, that's all you need. It's good. Stodge up. What have you eaten today? Ooh, 
not really good today. I got up this morning and while well, kids were running riot, because we, I were early actually, I were really early this morning, I were early to all three schools, I like, I were on it. Uh, so I did at about half past six, take 15 minutes to myself when they were just going crazy and thought, you know what? I'm disappearing upstairs with this cup of tea and flapjack. <laughs> Is that what you did? So I had a flapjack and a cup of tea <laughs> and sat on my bed just listening to the chaos. <laughs> uh, then I got to work and I had some meatballs that I'd made. I'd made some meatballs mm. in like spicy chilli tomato stuff with some uh, broccoli and mushroom and all mm. that stuff, onions. Uh, which I ate with a bag of McCoy's. Because <laughs> I didn't have no rice or pasta or all like that at work. But I had a bag of cheese and onion McCoy's and I thought, they're fucking substantial crisps. Yeah. I could definitely make a sandwich, a meatball sandwich out of two McCoy's. Well, it is substantial. You know why? Why? Because uh, McCoy's are made out of potatoes. <laughs> Way and potatoes a meal. Exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, uh, yeah, so I like made little meatball sandwiches out yeah. of my McCoy's. And... Uh, I've just had a, I've just rammed a sausage roll down my throat on my ear. Right. Mm. Happy days. Because I were feeling hungry on the yeah. way to the podcast. Well, the reason why I said so is because I stopped at Birch Services today. <laughs> yeah, what, did you get a lettuce sandwich? No, no, no. Well, I went to M&S, and yeah. I really wanted, like, do you know how you get, like, packet sandwiches? Yeah. Their meal deals are a fiver, by the way. Yeah, they are. It's no boots. Hell. It's no fucking boots. You can't win at that one, mate. <laughs> no, <laughs> there you're is losing. no winning. You are losing. Because I, I saw Have you seen Aaron Elf in the air as well? Terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I tried to do my fucking meal deal thing again, <laughs> right? And I thought, right, egg mayonnaise or cheese savoury sandwich, £1.50 each. I thought, I'm off to a losing battle oh. straight away. Uh, I really needed a bottle of water because I'd had three black coffees by this point. Okay. That were only a quid, so it only left me at two fifty. <laughs> now, my accessory <laughs> like, that goes along with this. It weren't even adding up to a five. And I'm like, this, no. I don't want meal deal. I'll pay for it twice, contactless. Yeah. I'll pay yeah. for everything separate. And uh, I decided to drop it, and I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm going to be a bit sinful. I'm going to go for a Greg's. Yeah. Anyway, I'd, I'd gone into Marks and Spencer's, stood yeah. there for ten minutes or five minutes, whatever. They've got that Greg's on the side, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. And um, I thought to myself, do you know what? I'll just, I've dropped this meal deal after, you know. Yeah contemplating it for a good hey. at least 13 and a half minutes yeah exactly I believe it got I to uh, Greg's and I thought oh bastard it were raining and they were queuing hard at the door but I was like I've committed now yeah, so I've committed it. I'm going to have to wait anyway uh, got to the front no cheese and onion pasties you're joking me that's exactly what I knew you were going to yeah. order as well and then I thought do you know what I'll just have a pizza slice instead just a you know a big stodgy cheese pizza slice yeah, yeah. I got it it was fucking stone cold really Steve Austin <laughs> it was absolutely freezing you were 316 on I were absolutely gutted <laughs> yeah and yeah so I weren't best pleased <laughs> you that, did throw it through a window smash window it <laughs> it was rock hard mate like a door wedge it was like a bible like a bible with a layer of cheese on it it was fucking freezing pointless <laughs> tasteless yeah oh dear. yeah so uh yeah so my culinary uh political work then. yeah um but bible you, yeah <laughs> it's just bible shit i'll challenge anybody on that yeah how can you find right <laughs> you've started me now how the fuck can you find dinosaur bones from millions and millions and millions and millions of years ago but you can't find the bloke who wrote the book <laughs> a couple of thousand ago. What do you mean? What do you mean? It's a laugh. 
How, it's it a control be, mechanism for the masses. If yeah, well, if that's true, that's true. But <laughs> I wonder who came up with the concept and actually pulled it off. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was the devil. The greatest trick the devil, devil ever did was convince the world he didn't exist. Exactly. That's more fun. Yeah. That's miles more fun, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, um, we're, we're off on a tangent. Shall we get... Tangent. Tangent. A tangent. A tangent. Dale Winton. Tangent. He's yeah. a tangent. Yeah, well, he it, it was. Um, who's he? Him off Bargain Hunt. Uh, I don't know. But did he say something about chips? <laughs> Potatoes and meal. <laughs> Let's pause it. <laughs> Let's pause it there and have a beer and a fag and we'll get him on. All right then. Hey, how we doing, buddy? We all right? Very good. How's it going? Absolutely not bad. Have you? Uh, I don't think you've met Glenn before, have you, my co-host? No. Yeah, no. Just, uh, just to, you know, listening to him on the podcast and uh, and through some emails. Hey, yeah. nice one, Bazad. How are you? Good, good, good to meet you. And mm. you, buddy. Good to be on the show. Mm. Yeah, good thank, stuff. No, thank finally, you. Yeah, finally fi- nailed it down. We should have done it about a month ago. But I think, well, Bazaar's a very, a very busy man, but we'll get to all that shortly. Right. Uh, to everybody that's listening, we've already introduced you, obviously, in his intro, uh, Bazaar. Uh, we've told everybody that we're speaking to your good self and that it's Naked and Famous Denim, who's a special guest on the podcast. But what I wanted to do to start off with is ask you a few simple questions like, where are you right now? What are you doing? Sure. Uh, well, I'm, I'm right now I'm in, uh, in our Montreal uh, office. Uh, what am I doing? Uh, well, I'm chatting with you guys. But, uh, <laughs> b- b- before that, uh, I was working on some uh, fall, winter 19 uh, line sheets. So we're just putting the whole uh, collection together because uh, in about uh, maybe three weeks or four weeks from now, uh, we're going to already start showing the new collection. So uh, we have samples coming in. I got to get the showroom in order, get all the price lists available, send that out to all the customers and... Uh, you know, to start planning for next season. That's really good. If uh, which brings me on to my first proper question, Bazad, for everybody that's listening, my yeah. mate, what what is your role in naked and famous denim? Right. So uh, a lot of people ask me this question uh, because a, a lot of people they see me maybe on the podcast or on Instagram uh, yeah. or on like the the, the Reddit forums. Um, the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that we're we're a very small company. Um, and because of that, a lot of us wear a lot of hats. So I do everything from, you know, uh, a lot of social media stuff that you, you, you see me on. Yep. Uh, I do design uh, with, uh, you know, for the men's and, uh, you know, my wife mostly does the, the women's collection. But, uh, you know, I, I naturally she asked me for, for advice there, too. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I do design. I do fabric development uh, with, with Brandon. So myself and Brandon, the owner, we do we pretty much put the whole collection together. Um, I do sales. Um, I, I direct uh, our retail team. Um, you you know you name it, I do it. Uh, I answer the phones. I sweep the floors. It's so, there's nothing I don't do here. So you're uh, so the owner of the company is Brendan. Is that correct? That's right. And yes. well, you're basically his right a man then. That's that you know whenever uh, people ask Brandon that question, that's his answer. Yeah, I'm, I'm his right hand. <laughs> Brilliant. And how do you two? How do you and Brendan know each other? How did the relationship come about? 
Well, I used to work in a uh, luxury department store in Toronto. Okay. And that's actually that's actually where I met Brandon. Um, so I was working there in uh, in the denim department, and it just so happened that Brandon had come through the store, and uh, this was right around the start of when Naked and Famous Denim was happening yeah. you know it was it was 2008 2009 so around 10 and, years yeah right and i was a big denim nerd and i was on all the denim forums and i still am a big denim nerd but uh <laughs> I, I learned about this new brand called naked and famous and it was they they were making jeans raw denim jeans made from japanese fabric starting at like 108 116 dollars canadian yeah, it was in mind you the Canadian dollar and the U.S. dollar at the time were at par, so you know yeah yeah about the same no price I get that so, yeah and, and that that just absolutely blew my mind because at that point if you wanted salvage denim jeans Japanese salvage denim jeans you were looking at two hundred and fifty three hundred dollars plus yes yeah that's true it just there was no such thing as this so I was unbelievably excited that this brand existed and I remember. Despite working at this department store where I got a you know fantastic discount on on anything I wanted, I went out and uh, I, I there was a, a store nearby that carried it. I I, I bought a pair right away, and yeah. so one day Brandon had come through the store and um, to do a product knowledge seminar, and I was like, hey, I know you because you know I I saw you on the internet and I was, I was telling you, hey, I already I already have a pair of your jeans and this and that, and we we kind of just developed a little bit of rapport there and you know every now and then whenever uh, Brandon came through Toronto we'd drop by the store and we'd chat and you know I'd show him around the store I'd, I'd you know show him what was selling what was cool what I thought was cool and we'd talk about denim mm-hmm. and uh, you know Brandon would come in every couple of months to do like these training seminars with the staff and one day I get an email from Brandon and he says hey do, do, you, do you want a job and I said yeah Sure. This is, <laughs> this is really, this is really, uh, you know, my my cup of tea. So uh, from there, I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I finished up my my season, I guess, with my my previous uh, employer, um, and I moved to Montreal, and I was the first employee. So, and from so there, for just to rewind it, just one little second for us Brits that are uh, geographically ignorant how far away is toronto from montreal what will that step for you oh it's a, it's like a it's a six hour drive it's like uh wow. it's like ever 600 kilometers it's not it's not that far but it's 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 far enough yeah yeah of course. well it's changing your life definitely right yeah yeah i mean i don't have any family out here you know aside from my wife but um you know it was a you know it was completely a new environment for me i don't speak French that well, and this is French Canada, so that that was uh, you know a hurdle I I, I still deal with. But oh, um, sounds interesting yeah. though, amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. So then, so you were the first employee then. So before that, it was just Brandon on his own pushing it was a brand. Brandon, that's right. Brandon was doing all the all the product development. He was doing all the marketing. He was doing all the trade shows. You know, he would his brother or like he would have a, a friend come with him to a trade show. Uh, and you know, the early trade shows, maybe the first couple, uh, yeah. they would do those together. Uh, but I remember starting here, and I think it was like a week later, I was at my first trade show, 
uh, in New York City, there was, it was a show called Capsule, and yeah. uh, that was my first experience, kind of you know getting into the wholesale world. I I, I didn't have any experience from that end. I I was doing a little bit of. Uh, when I worked at Hold Renfrew, which was the, the, the department yeah, store yeah. I worked at, um, I I ran the diesel shop and shop. Right. So okay. I was, you know, I was working with my 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 diesel head office, doing orders, getting things in like that. So you know, I understand I understood what ordering how, how all that worked, but uh, you know, dealing from the other end, you know, dealing with my our wholesale partners and developing relationships and ensuring you know that the right store has the right product, all that stuff I kind of had to learn, but I feel that my experience coming from a sales floor also yeah. helped, of course. you know, because yeah, I, could, yeah, yeah. I could relate to, you know, people on the floor. What, what was your background before retail then? What did you, you know, when you left school, what did you do? How did you end up working, you know, in a denim department, for example? So... Um, it, this is an odd story because I, I barely went to university and by barely, I mean, you know, you get that story where, you know, you get into university and your, your professor tells you, you look to your left and look to your right. And, uh, you know, these people won't be next to you by year four. Right. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard that, that, yeah. that saying, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of just talking about how many people drop out. Yeah. I dropped out after like three days. All right. Oh, I managed so, six months at college in the UK <laughs> before I was thrown out. <laughs> okay. So, so you dropped I, out. I went, I, my goal in life was to like, you know, get through high school as fast as I can and get through university as fast as I can. And then I'm on to a career. But what I didn't realize was as I fast tracked through high school and, 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 you know, we were able to do that. We were able to basically, you know, load up our course load as, as much as we wanted, take summer school and, uh, get, gain as many extra credits as you could. Yeah. And once you hit that, you know, uh, threshold for how many credits you needed to graduate, you could. So I graduated from high school like a year and a half early. Okay. And then I went directly into university and not really having a, a, an idea on what, what type of career path I wanted. I just figured my school counselor said, hey, you're good at geography, go do something in geography. So I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that and then I, I realized that this probably isn't a great idea. Um, I, should, I should take some time off to mm -hmm. actually figure out what I wanted to do. So after I, 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 uh, after I quit school, um, I went, I went back to high school for a victory lap for like a semester of which I probably barely showed up. Yeah. Um, but I was working full time in a, in a stereo shop and I was, uh, you know, I was, I was learning sales from yeah. the sales floor. I wasn't a particularly good salesperson, I have to admit back then, but, um, I just found myself applying to, uh, to Holt Renfrew and I, 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 I was working there within two weeks. So um, that was kind of how I found myself in the apparel world. Yeah. Um, I had a, I, you know, had an interest in it, but as a, as a, as a salesperson, I figured if, if I was going to be selling anything, I might as well be selling the best. So I, I seeked out, you know, the most prestigious stores to work in yeah. and, 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 you know, I had a good interview and they, they, 
they saw something in me and, and, and I was hired and I had some great mentors there who taught me a lot about apparel and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I honed my sales skills as well. Um, but I, I just kind of found myself, well, I guess we're, we're meandering off of school, but anyways, I was working, working, working yeah. and, uh, I figured I would go back to school one day and then I just never did. And here I am. So it was just always retail. And then eventually you met, uh, Brandon and, and the rest is history. So what is the, right. so if you were the first employee, Bazard, what, yes. how long had Naked and Famous been going and how did that company start? I know you, I'm probably asking you to speak on Brendan's behalf a little bit here, but I'm sure you know the story inside out, so that's fine. Yeah, so I started, well, I moved to Montreal in January 2010. So, you know, very, very early uh, yeah. in, in this, uh, you know, uh, uh, in the life of Naked and Famous Denim. Naked and Famous started in uh, February 2008, um, yeah. I think when Brandon approached me to work, it was in September, October, 2009. So, um, that's how long I, I've kind of been in the brand. And I guess the brand had been going for a little bit more than a year, almost approaching two years when I joined on. Um, now, but the brand will have had Nick stockists at that point then. So you, the brand had already built up stockists, shops to sell the product in. Right. And, and in fact, we, we were at a lot of really incredible shops at that point, um, which I don't think is, you, you just don't see that anymore from a brand new brand. I think first or second season, we were already at Barney's New York, American Rag, some of the you know most prestigious stores in America. And I, you know, I, I think the combination of the, the incredible quality of product and price point really shined a light on this and because nothing like this had ever been seen before. So um, that helped generate a lot of hype for us. So, you know, we would be at our, our, our booths at the trade shows and, you know, even till this day, our, our booths are always packed. But, um, you know, a lot of people were coming. We were getting a lot of, lot of calls every single day, uh, you know, to open up accounts. So, I was learning how to manage that and how not to, you know, open too many accounts in the same region and, you know, the yeah, types yeah. of accounts that we need to work with. And of so course. that I've, I really learned on the fly. Um, but as far as our company, um, Brandon's grandfather actually kind of started our company 70 years ago. Um, he, he started, he came, he, well, he, he was actually a Holocaust survivor and, uh, he came to Canada and started a, a, you know, door to door, uh, business selling, you know, things that people kind of needed every day. And that developed into, uh, a workwear brand. And, you know, we, we sell everything from, uh, and we still, we actually, this, that, that business that Brandon's grandfather started still exists to this day. We actually operate in the same building. And, uh, you know, we do everything from workwear to dresses to, to prison uniforms to underwear and, and pajamas. You name it, we make it. Um, ah, so that's really interesting. So Naked and Famous almost uh, was spawned from that. Almost, It might have almost been a passion project to start with, but then legitimately became into a reputable business, you would say. Right. Well, you know, it was, this is a, like, Brandon's grandfather started the brand, or, or started the company. Brandon's father took it over, and, you know, when Brandon decided to get into the business, he decided to take it in his own direction, 
and that's how Naked and Famous Denim started. So rather than, you know, very mass market type of products, he, he decided to make a very niche, you know, really upscale product. Yeah. Mm. Okay, that's really interesting. We'll probably come back yeah. to that a little bit. Have you got a question? Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, where does the name come from? The name. So the name is satire. You know, if you think back to, you know, 2008, you know, the, the mid 2000s and what was dominating the denim market at the time. And we're, we're talking, you know, celebrity driven, you know, Hollywood glamour brands. Yeah. And mm-hmm. these jeans were selling for, you know, you thought salvage denim was expensive. These jeans they were selling were, were much more expensive. They were selling you based on fancy pockets and, you know, celebrity was pushing it at the time. So. The idea that of, of Naked and Famous was really to challenge the industry. So the name is actually kind of a, a satire of that. So, you know, the Naked and Famous Denim with our, our Naked Lady Pop Art logo, you know, we're kind of using this celebrity type of look, but we're actually selling you the exact opposite of what those guys were selling you. We were selling you high quality at the best possible price. They were selling you, you know, shit quality at the highest price. That's and, brilliant. And shit yeah, yeah. And, right. I like that. So, and, and to be fair, you look at which of those brands are still around today. Not very many of them. So what? what uh, some of them are. What, but, do you, what, you know. what do you think was the hot sauce that made it work? What was the what was the you know you can make a pizza, but sometimes you took a bit of pineapple on it, and that's a fucking good pizza. You know, it goes from being an average <laughs> pizza to being a good pizza, one. By the way, yeah. <laughs> what was it? Yeah. What I do you think, think was, was the hot sauce? It was a lot of things. It was. The quality and the price point, for sure. Yeah. But it also was the timing. It okay. was the right time for raw denim to hit that kind of mainstream appeal. Because around 2010, 2011, 2009, that's when that heritage wave really hit mainstream men's apparel. Okay. You know, that was before, uh, you know, uh, 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 track pants and, and, I don't know, those elastic waist. Uh, pants kind of hit the market (laughs) you know what I'm talking about yeah 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 for sure so before that it was you know you had high fashion and then you had streetwear and then you had this heritage workwear vibe where it was like oh I could wear you know raw denim jeans boots a flannel shirt and I don't look like a lumberjack anymore I look like a you know I look cool. Like a, I look like, all right. I look all right. We'll, we'll, yeah, look we'll, we'll call ourselves all right. That's enough. <laughs> but I know what you're saying. Definitely. Right. Yeah. So that wave hit at the same time our product and price point hit. So instead of people rushing, and you know, I don't think people rush out to buy jeans that are well above their their means. I, I suppose. But if we were able to offer a product of similar quality that people were paying two or three or four times more, man, we, w- we were off to the races. When, when we first launched at Barney's New York, they put a, a small test order in, and yeah. within two weeks, they were already calling us back for more. See, that's... We, that's, we, that's we had a... to fly fabric in, to rush to produce. They put another order in. We got it in. Within a month, they were like, okay, we're sold out. We need more. And it, it was based on that. We Our product was just turning at really really high you know uh, paces at very very commercial 
real, uh, you know, retailers. And uh, I don't know. I don't think there's a. It's. I'm trying to compare it to the European market. Uh, Bazaar, if that's okay. And I'm, what, what I'm thinking yeah. right now, obviously I'm 10 years later. We already know that, so I'm 10 years later. Right. Uh, and I think your story is absolutely amazing. And it's it's almost, uh, it's, you know, it, it, it's so admirable, if you know what I mean. It's brilliant. But I, th- I feel like today, if the same situation happened... So let's put it into comparison over in Europe. Let's say Hugo Boss is a massive manufacturer of clothing and fucking every other shop in the UK, in Europe, has got Hugo Boss in it. And it's making its normal standard jeans and it's selling them for 300 quid and blah de blah de blah And then you'll get a brand like, uh, let me put a European brand next to it. Uh, could be anybody. Eat Dust. Indigo yeah, yeah. It, could, it could be any of them. Like now, they produce a better quality product for a cheaper price. However, they will never get the same. Well, at the minute, they don't get the same recognition as Hugo Boss because people want to wear a Hugo Boss badge on their trouser. They're not thinking right. about it any more than that. But what you're saying to me is, you somehow managed to change that. So all, you, you had your version of Hugo Boss and your version of all these brands, but Naked and Famous jumped in, got into Barney's, started selling out really quick because your product were already, you know, the quality-wise were always better. I understand all that. But how did you get the name? How did the brand actually become... Were, right. it, were it just getting that Barney's contract? Is that enough? Like, what is it that well, actually... You know, how did you I get the people... The- well, the Barney's bump is is a thing. You know, I think a lot of people look to retailers like Barney's or look they look to retailers like American Rag and mm. they see what's in there and they say, if it's here, it's, it's a thing. Mm. So that really, really helped. But I also feel that especially at that time, it was a commercial brand didn't have the same weight in the customer's eye as maybe brands that seemed more authentic, like they came from a person rather than this faceless corporation. Okay. And th- and I think, you know, even at that time when we were in Barney's, there was a lot of other raw denim brands, you know, New York-based or, you know, uh, that were in Barney's as well. Like Barney's was buying all of the raw denim brands and it was really good for a lot of us at the time. Um, and uh, I think that was kind of part of it. People wanted the, the, the artisanal brand. They wanted that craft brand. And uh, that, that, that was part of that wave. And I think a lot of brands showed up around that time. Some of them are still around. Some of them are not around anymore. Uh, or maybe they've, I've seen brands that started there and you know now they're off in their own direction doing different things. But um I think it was kind of like all of the planets aligned to make a certain type of product, you know, recognizable in the customer's eye. And if you're to try to do what we're doing today, I don't think you'd be able to achieve the same amount of recognition. No, I'm. I'm I think uh, you somehow 
and this is just from what you've said tonight, you, you definitely struck a chord. Because what was it that made Barney's buy into Naked and Famous? What was it? Is it, is, is it Brandon? Is it Charisma? Is it oh, like, no, how, how did he even get in was, front oh. of him? You know? Well, I, I know Brandon is very good at telling the story. I can tell you the story. And it's 100% Brandon's Charisma. Yeah. Um, if, if you've ever met Brandon or, you know, maybe you've seen him on video, he's a very charismatic guy. So... Mm. We put on, especially if you have, if you ever see us at a trade show, you know we're very friendly. We're we're, we're very excited about the product that we have, and we're, you know you see me online on on, on my you know uh, Instagram yeah. live stream. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited to talk about product, and and it really transmits very well. So these uh, when when the Barney's buyers came to uh, our booth, I wasn't at the booth. I wasn't even with the company at the time, but when the Barney's buyers came to the booth, um, Brandon wasn't even at the booth at the time. One of his friends was, was covering the booth and uh, Brandon is just kind of casually walking back to the booth with a cookie in his hand and uh, he, his friend says to, to Brandon, well, the... He's still there? Oh, we've got a bit of a pause. Wait a minute. We're reconnecting. We're reconnecting. Just a bit. It's like when you watch Prison Break. Oh, are you back? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, so we got a cookie. Brandon's <laughs> walking back to the booth okay. with a cookie in his hand, yeah? Right. He, he's coming back to the booth with the cookie in his hand. He throws... <laughs> oh, sorry. He, he, he's coming back to the booth with the cookie in his hand, and uh, his friend says to him, well, these are the fine people from Barney's. Brandon throws the cookie on the floor and go, immediately goes into a hundred miles an hour sales pitch. And uh, <laughs> he impresses them. He shows them all the incredible features of our jeans and all the, the special details of the fabric. And they're like, okay, we need to put you in front of our boss. Can you come back to New York next week to, uh, to do the same presentation? Brandon's like, no problem. Comes <laughs> back that next week, goes right to the Barney's offices, gives them the same pitch, thousand miles an hour, and uh, they were super impressed. They put an order in right away, and uh, and the rest is history. That's amazing. Sorry, yeah. I'm just making uh, notes for additional questions here. Glenn, you can uh, you can fire away for a second there. Uh, no, no, I I was just uh, first of all intrigued on what flavor cookie it was, uh, but we'll skip over that <laughs> one. <laughs> um, but I were going to uh, mention um, regards uh, the naked and famous brand. Um, yeah. In terms of kind of how do well I do I, how do I say Ben recommended for me that my first pair of salvage raw denim jeans were naked and famous and that's what I'm wearing to this day that I've been wearing for right. for twelve months and they have faded absolutely perfectly they have gone through everything with me in the last twelve months um, and Ben recommended those to me. And obviously, he had his reasons to do so. Um, now, in terms of kind of where Naked and Famous fits in, in terms of the whole raw denim scene, where where do you see that, Bazard? So, would that be, is it a seasoned denim head who's been wearing raw denim forever? Is it someone that's new to it? Is it is it somewhere in the middle, or is there actually something for everyone within the brand? Yeah, what would be right. the mantra, the values of Naked and Famous, so, basically? Mm -hmm. For us, you know, we are denim heads. 
Mm-hmm. We we love denim. We're very very passionate about denim, and it shows in the types of products that we create. Yeah. But at the same time, we are not purists. You know, we don't we don't have these these blinders on, and, and we I don't only see denim as you know uh, vintage jeans before the 1960s, and everything else you know never happened. Yeah. You know, we're not a re, we're not a repro brand. Okay. You know, we like to pull from the elements of that, you know, types of quality, construction, that type of thing. But we also like to see where we can push denim. How, how can we create a new, something new and interesting, innovative, mm-hmm. something that nobody's ever seen before? Yeah. And, you know, I, I also think to myself, back in those days, they were also trying to do those kinds of things. They were yeah, trying yeah, to yeah, change definitely. and make interesting product. So, you know, sometimes I get pushback from maybe I'm going to air quote you the, the denim purists and talking about how we're making novelty jeans or gimmick jeans. And I'm like, well, what, there's nothing gimmicky about what we're making. It's we're, we're making new things, different things, interesting things. Yeah. If you don't like it, if you don't like what we make as far as, you know, fabrics go, I, 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 I can't say that you're, you really love denim, mm. you know, mm-hmm. that's like saying you're, you love pizza, but, there's only one kind of pizza you like. Back to the pizza. There's a million kinds of pizza, and you don't have to like all the pizzas. You just have to admire you know, that. You just have to admire pizza. I, exactly. I understand what right. you're saying. Yeah, because uh, for so, me, um, with the brand, I really like that there's a fun mm-hmm. element to it. Um, that there is a modern twist on it. However, the quality is amazing. Um, now, for me, I. I in terms of the denim purists and in terms of only wearing full-on heritage, that loses me at that stage, to be honest, um, because right. it gets too deep and too, like, you know what? If it fits well... Hey, you just want to look good. Yeah, if it fits well <laughs> you just and it's good look for good me... And wear, and wear decent clothes. I don't really care. Right. For me, the quality in the, in the garment itself, step one, but step two as well in terms of, because I work in marketing and branding and all that sort of stuff, I think that Naked and Famous is positioned so well because it almost dares to have fun with denim. Right. Whereas others kind of, the very- Some people are very serious about what they do and that's not to say we're not serious, you know. I, I you know, if, if you ever, some of my coworkers may see sometimes my my serious passions coming out, but I, I, you know, I, yeah. I'm, I mean, in terms of that, Bazaar, I think that really is. Uh, I wouldn't call it serious or gimmicky or anything else like that. I would sum all this kind of last couple of sentences up as naked and famous has a point of difference. Would you? Yeah. And whether whether you whether you whether anyone agrees with that or not, it's like you know, do you choose Costa? Do you choose Subway? That's your own personal preference. It's still good coffee, but whatever's right for you is right for you. But I really like the branding, and I like what you've mentioned about the name, and I like how it's come from a one-man startup, and that's got the heritage in terms of the family side of things as well. So I can see I can see why people buy into it. Uh, for sure right. and I'm still wearing the same jeans which have faded absolutely perfectly um, over the God, last 12 I'm months I'm very glad to hear that <laughs> um, know, just one one interesting thing I want to add is that you know again, this is the story Brandon told me about uh, when he was starting the brand 
his he was getting advice from his grandfather about it and you know the idea of selling jeans for more than you know 40 bucks or 20 bucks was maybe alien to his grandfather because you know he was you know making a lot of mass market product and to be fair he's, you know back in, he comes from a very old school uh, uh you know time as well where jeans didn't cost 40 dollars you know but he instilled the idea that so long as there's value in the product that you're making you can do no wrong and and for us that's really a point that we always try to drill home is that even if we have to use the most expensive fabric to create something we always try to create it at the best possible price so that it's attainable by by the people who want to get it now there's no point of making something so fantastically glorious that nobody else can nobody can actually use it mm-hmm. so that's a really price good is something that we're very <laughs> conscious about that is that is a really good point and bazard if you don't mind we're just going to take we're going to pause the podcast now yeah that'll be oh, at the end okay. of part one we're going to give you a call back in literally about four or five minutes if that's okay we're going to save this wrap it down and then we're going to start again because this is we've uh, got so many questions yeah um and we feel that we need a little breather prepare ourselves for part two and then we'll be back with you is that all right my okay, mate sounds good awesome no problem. lovely for you. i'll call you back in two well five minutes <laughs> okay cheers brother how we doing hello. hey matey are you still there yeah yeah i'm here oh brilliant brilliant so back to the uh back to what we we're talking about about the price point because naked and famous do produce high quality denim at right let's you know we'll be politically correct a very very competitive price so yes. how is it that naked and famous can do that and a lot of the other brands uh can't if you don't mind me asking well well, I think one of our advantages is that we own our own production. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't own their own production. And because of that, they have to pay a factory to make their jeans. And that factory has to make money when they make jeans. So there's a margin built in there. So and, and this factory's been about for years and years because it was started by a grandfather of the company, so to speak. Well, Yes and no. So when we first started, there was actually quite a lot of production in Canada. And because there was a lot of production in Canada, production was cheap. Okay. So we were able to actually produce things for a better price. Um, in addition to that, we don't have, you know, conventional salespeople we, you know, who are earning commission. I don't earn any commission. There's yeah. no commission salespeople out on the road. I don't have to pay for somebody's, you know, uh, uh, travel expenses, uh, you know, going out from store to store all the time. We don't have any marketing. We don't, you know, we don't use any PR agencies. So we cut out a lot of middlemen um, when it comes to, to costing things. Another, one of, an, another giant advantage that we have, and not, not just owning our own factory, but uh, we take advantage of a lot of trade agreements. So okay. one of the things that we, we really take advantage of is the fact that nobody in Canada makes denim. They don't, nobody, nobody makes denim in Canada. So when we import raw material from Japan... When you say makes denim, when you say makes denim, do you mean makes the product or actually makes the denim? Like, like actually weaves the fabric. Okay, yeah, got that. So that doesn't happen. And because that doesn't exist in Canada... There's no industry to disrupt, so there's a 
through a trade uh, you know uh, regulation were able to import raw material to Canada without having to pay any duties on it. Right. So that's so, quite strategic then, in a way. That's, oh yeah. So yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're looking at you know it could be twelve to eighteen percent of the cost of the fabric that other people would have to pay. We're not paying that. So because we're not paying that, we're not building it into the price of the garment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we ship goods to the United States or to Europe, we have Canada has free trade agreements with those countries. Yep. Or or or, or, or continents or nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so because of that, there's no you know import duties that our retailers have to build into yeah, the price of the product. It's forty percent from America at the moment, Bazard. Forty percent. So for everything right. that yeah, you pay a hundred pound wholesale for, you have to pay a hundred and forty. You have to pay an extra forty right. pound, you know. And then we have a government VAT of twenty percent, and yeah. then you got to charge your customer, you know, for that as well. Yeah, which you, which you can't then, do because everybody else in the world isn't charging the customer for that because that's a UK right. tax. Mm-hmm. Right, but but what it does is it. it it inflates the cost of these garments so yes. much yeah. for nothing. There's so much nothing cost in the price of a garment yeah. that that exists, and we don't have to charge that because of our, our where we make our goods, where we import our, our fabrics from. Um, so we're able to take advantage of all of these little things that end up saving the consumer a lot at the end of the day. That's amazing. That's a really good story. Uh, what is sorry I'm going to rewind it back to about 20 minutes ago uh, and it, it doesn't have to be a really long answer it can just be a sentence what is the value what What are your values as a denim company if you know for the people that's out there that's buying into it or thinking about buying into Naked and Famous what would you say the values were the company values hmm I mean I don't think we have like a a written values list but I think at the end of the day our, our values is our, our values I mean what we try to do is try to create best possible product at the best possible price and you know obviously we look to create new and interesting and, 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 and you know creative garments you know we support our our wholesale customers we support our retail customers we try to be as accessible as possible um, you know I, I wish I had a, a you know a rainbows and sunshine uh, kind of answer for you in, in terms of that. But, no, that's fine. You know, I don't think we've we've ever you know had a, a brand value aside from just delivering the best we can to our customers. I think that's the ultimate answer because that tells me that it's coming from real people. That tells me that it's just you and Brendan, and there might be three or four other people at the top uh, yep. that are doing everything they can. To basically achieve what you've just said and I think that's uh, completely admirable so well done <laughs> we outsounding <Thank> you. <laughs> and uh, w- what would you say that the company is uh, working towards what are you hoping to do do you want to have multi stores uh, all over the world do you want to have your own stores all over the world what is the well right now we have our store here in Montreal Tate and Yoko we yeah. also just opened our our New York City flagship store. Um, why know, New Why New York City for it? Why New York City for a flagship? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, New York is the center of the universe. 
Yeah. Um, sorry to let the rest of the universe know this, but it's yeah. true. Um, but jokes aside, it's six hours away from us driving, one hour flight. Ah, so okay. not only do we have access to you know the, the population and the tourist population that is New York City, uh, it's a great, everybody goes to New York at some point in their lives, eventually. Yeah. Hopefully, it's a great place to go. If you've never been, you should definitely check it out. Yeah. But, you know, for us, it's like, if you can make it in New York, then you can make it anywhere. Okay. You know, and even when we were deciding, like, where in New York do we want to put a store? And, you know, we're like, uh, maybe we, 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 you know, we put it in Chinatown, or maybe we put it here or there. We're, we're trying to decide, like, because obviously rent in New York City is it's, it's incredible. Yes. Um, so we're trying to balance this thing out and we're like you know what we're just gonna go for the money spot and you know we're soho 123 grand street a great location um you know we're in the middle of a lot of high-end retail yeah and so far you know the store has been doing very very good um we're actually doing an event there next weekend uh kind of a meet and greet with the customers um but i think as you know i think we're not the only ones affected by the downturn in retail. I think there's a lot of retailers out there that are, well, number one, there's a lot of retailers that have gone out of business, but there's a lot of retailers that are rethinking the way they do business or, you know, for whatever reasons. Um, so I don't think we're the only ones, but I think as a, as a whole, as a, as a whole, as wholesale, as an industry, it's slowing down a little bit. Yeah, and you know naturally we need to balance that out and I think a lot of brands not just us are finding that you're able to control your destiny a little bit more when you also own or operate your own store yes so of course yeah. our retail is there to help balance out you know wholesale yeah uh, wholesale to be fair it's, it's it's not really declining so much as it is you know it's really just kind of balancing the new retailers that you know we've seen for seen popping up over you know from 2010 to maybe 2016 it was just a flood of new retailers opening up and new types of businesses opening up every chance we can get and you know that type of wave has kind of gone down um and you know the strong retailers have survived and they continue to grow with us um and you know we've unfortunately had some retailers that have gone have gone down um for whatever reason, of course. but uh, you know, direct uh, retail, I think, is is the way a lot of brands are going. Um, if we can open more stores one day, that would be nice. But I think our focus right now is, you know, uh, on Tati and Yoko here in Montreal and our New York City store. Maybe we'll open more stores in the United States, and who knows, maybe the rest of the world one day. But uh, we'll, we'll take that. You know, one step at a time. You just need a little franchise in the back of my store. I've got a thousand square right. feet just sat there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, you, you got a thousand square feet. That's plenty of room. Maybe we can work something out. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so on to uh, stuff that's a little less <clears throat> businessy and uh, geeky. Yep. Who comes up with all the fun concepts? You know, who is there at Naked and Famous going, let's do heaviest denim in the world? Let's do Street Fighter <laughs> denim. Let's do Selvage that's got swearing in it. Who is who's, right. who's the guy or the guys or the guys and girls that are coming up with them ideas and having a little bit of fun? Well, 
it's it's me and Brandon and uh, and my wife Risa. We're we're you know our ideas kind of come to us from any kind of direction really. But I think where the ideas really start to flow are when we're doing our production meetings in Japan. And we just got back from around production meetings uh, two weeks ago. Okay. And so you know we're, we're looking at fabrics, we're looking at yarn, we're looking at just different types of compositions and we start to play around and you know I, I don't want to give too much away because we have a lot of fun and interesting things in the pipeline but okay it's 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 these really kind of intense sessions that we have with our production teams of just coming up with ideas and we're just throwing ideas back and forth at one another and i think for them it's a lot of fun because they get to create you know, really, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have the sales guy, they'll have the production manager there, and they get to also, uh, you know, let their kind of creative juices flow along with us. You know, we might have an idea and they'll say, oh, actually, if you do it like this, we could get it like this, and then we'll play around with that idea, and, you know, we, we keep moving that, you know, that, 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 that stick forward, okay. uh, so to speak. So the odd ideas continue to come and come because... And then eventually you, know, you put one into got, production uh, and it starts to work and, and so on. Right, and we're not afraid of making something See, weird. This, it's this, this, us, is, it's like, this will be my next question because obviously as a brand that started uh, 10 years, so you're not a, you're not a baby anymore. You, you are... Right. Uh, you Established. Know, you're not quite a teenager just yet, but you're, right. you're definitely you're starting to get your own mind, if you like, if we compared it to human growth. Uh, right. So, for example, when you first start out, every line that you produce, and you'll understand this, needs to be a, a potential winner. You can't afford to do lines that don't work. So you that's need... Not, go but on. you know what? That's not true for us. Th- this is what I was going to say. Like, how, how, how many products can you create now where you kind of go, eh, this might not work, but we love it. Fuck it. Let's just do it anyway. Yeah, you know, there's... there's all, there's in every one of our collections there's always one or two styles that are just really out there yeah really out there and it's like i know they're not going to make any money we don't care it's like the guy who buys that jean is going to be so happy that he has this (laughs) really really weird unique jean it's going to be his favorite jean yeah i have no doubt to me you might sell right. like 20, me, but really you know, fun. you'll just do it anyway. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's, it's okay. It's, it's, look, you know, we have a lot of core product that we sell all day, up and down. You know, the, the, you know, I, that's the, back to business stuff, but that's kind of the stuff that really makes. Yeah, that's your you bread know, and the, butter. That's, that's your bread that's and what butter. Pays the bills, you yeah, know? yeah, of course. You know, so, so, wave stretch denim isn't going to make us rich, yeah. but it's a really, really cool jean, and the guy who buys it loves it, So, and it also rounds out our collection really nicely, where you have like these really unusual, odd pieces um, that are, you know, for maybe a more eclectic person, and then you have very subdued styles, and then you have like the really hardcore, you know, denim connoisseur type styles uh as well and you know sometimes we try to throw uh, like the innovative kind of technical uh uh fabric out there as well and i I do enjoy researching you know new technical fibers and seeing if we can somehow apply that to a gene oftentimes we cannot but uh (laughs) 
Okay, okay, I've got one more I've got one more businessy question. Then I just want to have a bit of fun talking to you if that's all right, Bazad. Uh me uh my next one is uh something that you guys do that I get asked about all the time. Uh something that I definitely need to up my game on in store, but me and you'll speak about this privately away from a podcast. Okay. <laughs> Unbrand brand. Yep. Right, so how can we produce a 21 ounce denim and sell it for 95 pound? Do you know, like, what is it? Like, what I know, what uh, obviously I can say, well, there's no branding, there's no fancy, your rivets are pretty straightforward, they're not branded, everything's simple. <clears throat> what is the concept behind that? And how can you know that's next level producing product that is very affordable? So how right. how did how did that come about, and how is it possible? And is it actually, is it more something that you do out of passion to allow people to get into the denim scene that might not be fortunate enough to be able to spend a hundred and fifty pounds on jeans, or is it you know is it genuinely a business angle? Is it gen you know have you actually cracked the nut? Have you actually found a way of doing it? What is what is well, the story behind the Umbrad brand? Well, the the unbranded kind of came to be was again back when Naked and Famous Denim started yeah. you know because of you know the types of shops that we were at and the, and the coverage we were getting a lot of retailers were approaching us okay. for the brand mm-hmm. and one uh, retailer that approached us was Urban Outfitters okay and yeah. if for those people who've been you know fans of unbranded brand from the beginning they all know that unbranded was made for specifically urban for urban outfitters fuck i didn't know and, that. and that's like four so, they've got like 440 stores or something in the uk aren't they? right we used to do a lot of the vintage products well i used to work right. for a company that did a lot of the vintage products in europe that's so, really interesting okay carry on this so, is good so <laughs> urban outfitters they're they're i mean they've got as you said they've got a lot of stores so we were yeah, able yeah. to do tremendous volume with them and that's kind of the angle of unbranded. It's a volume brand for us. We, we, you know, we partner with retailers that, that, you know, of course, you know, we sell to some of our smaller retailers as well, independent retailers, but you know, we have retailers that carry it that sell thousands of thousands of pairs every week. Maybe not every week, but you know, yeah, yeah, of course. They sell a lot. So what's the money for what, what's the money? What, how did you manage to get it into... I know that Urban Outfitters will crunch your margins to the to the absolute max. They will make it as hard right. for you to deal with as possible, but at the same time, they'll order thousands of units. So therefore, if you do it right, everybody's happy. So what? Right. What? how did you uh, How did you overcome that obstacle? Well, to be fair, I... I just also to keep the prices down, we do take a lower margin on this product uh, just to, you know, okay. have it at the price point at that. But, but you are selling at volume, so that makes sense. And we've yeah, negotiated yeah. with our with our suppliers yeah. um, to get the best possible price. And the other thing about Unbranded is, is that we order, it's, it's the same product year after year after year after year after year. We're not constantly developing for Unbranded the same way that we develop for Naked and Famous Constantly, okay. you know, I'm pu- I'm putting together the fall winter nineteen line sheet for Naked and Famous, and you know we've got sixty shirts, you know, 
you know, it's these styles of jeans. It's, it's a lot of product. With Unbranded, you've got one fabric, you know, you know, no, several fabrics, but one fabric that's used to make five fits. Okay. And away we go. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. There, there isn't it's like the 80 20. It's like the 80 20 principle, isn't it? It's 80% naked and famous right. and 20% of your time's put on the Unbranded brand. Is that still in. I, I, I hate to say it, it's probably even less. Oh, really? Is that is it yeah. still in Urban Outfitters then in America, the Umbrand brand? No. No. No, uh, it's not. So, um, you know, that's a, uh, it, it's a bit of a shame, but at the same time, um, you know, I don't know if it was ever, well, at one point it was the right product for Urban Outfitters, but it, it, it became difficult to work with them as, as often it is with yep. large High street stores, yep, of know, course buyers change their yeah. you know their visions change and then you're just constantly kind of scrapping you'll be lucky like, if a buyer lasts six months you can you can establish really? a relationship with the buyer and trust and then within months they're gone it's somebody else change. is saying you've got to do it all again it's right. uh, it's so, a nightmare it was constantly that was happening and uh it was also a struggle at one point we were really adamant about wanting to do product knowledge seminars for the staff and they just wouldn't let us they're like no no you, nobody can come in you can't you can't teach anybody anything about anything and we're like well, that doesn't really help you guys yeah so anyways weird things like that happens and then every now and then they would just like mark the jeans down to like six dollars <laughs> wow you know I'm not even exaggerating. And then I would just buy like 50 pairs as, or as many pairs as I can. And then I would just reship them back to them on their next month's PO. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. It was, it was just, you know, I would see online somebody would make a post like, hurry, I'm branded brander like $8 at, at Urban Outfitters. And I would just, find somebody to go to Urban Outfitters or go to the local one and just buy every pair. That's hilarious. No I can completely understand how that happens. Being in and, your but situation but in company, Europe. Unfortunately, that's kind of the company that they are. It's like yeah. they're maybe not anymore. I don't know. But when we were working with them, there was, yeah, again, with buyer changes and planner changes and things like that, you know, sometimes the information doesn't get passed from one person to the other. It never so, gets fucking passed from one person to the other. Right, nightmare. It's because, you know. It would always like bring me great joy when yeah. I would just send them goods that they had already bought from me. I absolutely love that. Because uh, when I worked in vintage, because I did like 10 years in vintage clothing before I got to denim, the wholesaler that I worked for, I was. Uh, one of a couple of people that were part of the sales team. We were very much like you. There weren't really job roles at that time. It was just, if you had a bit of experience and you had a bit of passion, you kind of wore all the hats. Uh, right. But we, uh, yeah, we did the renewal. So you know how they have a renewal department? It were our job to, which is vintage. They have a little mm -hmm. vintage yeah, department. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it were our job to supply that in Europe. Uh, I really loved it, like, but I can completely understand. I know exactly what you're saying, basically, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Right. You so. know, I'll give you one more Urban Outfitter story, because this one is, this one is my favorite one. <laughs> <Go> on, <laughs> At one point, 
they built, I, I believe it's still, like, it still exists, but they were just building out like the Urban Outfitters, like Manhattan super flagship store. They wanted to carry, you know, not just like the regular Urban Outfitters kind of brands, but they wanted to carry some really upscale brands in there as well. Okay. And they approached us and they said, we want to carry Naked and Famous Denim. And we said, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, reason being, you know, I see, you know, we, you know what you guys kind of did with Unbranded. You were constantly squeezing you know, it, marking it all the way down. Yeah, squeezing. squeezing. There's all kinds of weird yeah. stuff going yeah. on. And we're like, we don't really want to be a part of that anymore. It's, it's, it's too much work for just one location. And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't want you guys to be marking our jeans down to, you know, 25 cents like you guys would do. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Um, especially because you're not going to allow us to do like product knowledge seminars. You don't have like a, a dedicated like denim department staff. Like, you know, the Urban Outfitters model is like, you know, the employees are there to help you, but it's not like going into a department store. No, you no, know no, what no, I mean? no. Yep, yep, completely. So they said, okay, um, we promise we, uh, you still can't do like product knowledge seminars, but we promise we won't mark your products down. Okay. I'm like, okay, well, then, like, what happens at the end of the season? Yeah. And they're like, oh, we'll just send you everything back. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, 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 but we're not going to credit you for those items. Like, if you bought it, you own it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. We'll just send everything back, and you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> and I'm like, what? No way is that even true. That's wow. just that's and just I'm some like, buyer. That's and, just a buyer then, though looking and, to get product. And in. then I said, "Sold deal. You <laughs> can have the product in the store. Yeah. Mark them down. Yeah. Um, and uh, when you're done with them, they come back to us, and uh, we can you know, do what we want. We're not with crediting them. you for these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and that's exactly how it played out. They returned everything that they didn't sell. And then they bought the next season's goods. And we, you know, we were in there for a little while until they realized that was a horrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and then that was that, but like, you know, that's brilliant. That That is absolutely brilliant. That sounds like a bit of a win for the little man. So I like that. Right. Totally totally for us. A little quick question. So how many employees has Naked and Famous Denim got at the moment? Um, so for factory staff, I think we're at like 30 to 40, mm-hmm. uh, and that's just, uh, sewing, um, day-to-day operations, myself, uh, me, Tammy, probably seven or eight. Okay. New York City store, there's five, there's five staff for our Tate and Yoko store, so, you probably put sixty. The 70. thing is, like you, yeah, but like if you, but you kind of have to break it up between like the factory, even though it's it's owned by us, it's its own company. Like it's just a kind of under this umbrella of yes. companies that we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like New of York course. is its own company, and Tate and Yoko is its own company, yeah. but we all like work together. Okay. Um. So it's kind of hard to give you the exact answer but like especially because you like if you're including sewing staff then the company looks much bigger than it is yes um, I understand that no that's fine you, you, we don't you know, need any more information brand, than that like, yeah that's fine uh, so Bazad one last question before yeah. we have a bit of fun sure. with you what sure. is your favourite 
Sounds like you're at a train station at this end. What is your What is your favourite Naked and Famous product? If you could take one of your products to a desert island, what would it be? Okay, desert island is a little different because I'm talking survival. <laughs> oh, no, we're talking. Okay, no, let, let me refine it for you. I'll refine it. You're gonna you're going to a desert island. You're allowed to take four of your products, and this desert island has every element of weather, from scorching hot to torrential rain and snow. What right. what? What four garments are you taking? Oh, four garments. You're allowed boxer shorts, you're allowed shoes, and you're allowed socks anyway. So what four garments okay. are you taking? Um, well, the, the first question was like, what was kind of like my favorite item ever? Well, well it's... even if it wasn't a question, I'm gonna answer that question. Yeah, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That, that would be the king of slub. We made the slubbiest denim ever in the whole world. It took us two years to develop this. We developed this jean from the yarn itself. We had to create a new type of yarn to okay. make this jean this incredible texture. Which and everybody loves I think because I hear about it all the it. time. <laughs> so you've and, definitely uh, achieved no. what you wanted with that one. I love that jean. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's my favorite. But now everybody wants to buy talking. slub denim from me, and I keep explaining to them <laughs> that the king of slub doesn't exist normally. <laughs> That's not a normal I, gene. <laughs> no. It, you know what's odd is like whenever you push those boundaries, people start to think that oh, this is normal. Mm. <laughs> you know, like we we. It's completely not. Showed, <laughs> we were in Japan and we got to witness the forty-ounce denim being Ooh, woven. Fucking hell. Really? 40 ounces. It's the heaviest denim in the world. It's made for us. It's unbelievable. That's got to have a zip and fly because you're never doing them buttons, ever. <laughs> oh, it's going to be zip. It's, it's got it's to be, be a zip. It's got to be a zip. But as, as soon as I posted, like, the fabric being woven, yeah, people were like, oh, where, where, when can I get these? When, like, and I'm like, hold on a second, guys. <laughs> like, 32 ounce, it's... It takes us so long to sew those jeans. We don't even know how to sew these yet. Yeah, you're gonna have to do every like, stitch yeah, by hand with a hammer. <laughs> Everyone. Right. It, it's incredible. Yeah. So the mill is saying to us, they're like, yeah, we don't think you can sell these. And we're like, okay, well, <laughs> we're going to show you wrong. <laughs> we're figure it out. You know what I mean? But... Even the mill is like, this is not happening. <laughs> That's fantastic. There's, I, there's a lot of story behind the 40 ounce. Um, but That's a podcast we in there, itself. They were, they, sorry? That's a podcast in itself. Right. Oh, that's to totally. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, people, as soon as I posted it, people were like, oh, when can I get these? And I'm like, just... It's not like I can just I can't just sew this. You know? <laughs> uh, this is gonna take some time. <laughs> if you had a social so, media manager, he'd be kicking you in the butt, saying, "Stop showing product we can't sell." <laughs> right. Well, I'm the so I'm the guy on, on on Instagram doing the post, and I'm the guy answering the, the the messages coming through on Instagram too. So people were just bombarding me with like, "When can I get it? Where can I get it? How much is it gonna cost?" And I'm like. 
Hold on. <laughs> I have this no is, idea. <laughs> we, we've, we've, we're, we've witnessed like 30 centimeters of this fabric being woven. <laughs> it's funny, though. They were telling though. us that the machine only runs like 20 minutes at a time. Like it could run for 20 minutes. That's how much they they're able to get it to run for until they have to stop it and like check everything to make sure that everything's still working okay. Like the mill hasn't perfected the weaving of it yet. They're, they're going to, but the fact that like the, we have proof of concept, you know, we're we're off to the races. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, uh, there's anyway. no ETA yet, but anyway, so, sooner than later. Bazad, I'm going to put you back on this desert island. You've got four okay. items and, and one minute to answer. We can't, okay. procrast- uh, we can't pro- procrastinate on this one. Okay. I'm going to wear Easy Guy Left Hand Twill because really? that's one of my... F- yeah, and the reason why, that fabric is great all year. It's 13.75, almost 14 ounces. It's rigid. It's dark. And it's just a, a tough jean. But okay. it's also light enough that if I want to roll up those cuffs and I wear it a little bit loose, it's gonna be nice on a hot day. Okay, so, okay, that's the gene. having to deal with like, you know, yeah. that's the gene. Yeah, um, I like If that. I need a jacket, yeah. well, uh, let's just go, uh, you know, Canadian tuxedo and also throw on the left hand twill denim jacket. Okay. You know, it's versatile, it's gonna match, I'm gonna look good on that desert island. Um, circular knit tee, are circular tees. I wear them every day. I love them. They're beefy cotton. They okay. don't rip. You know, okay. oftentimes you get those little holes around your waistband on t-shirts. Yeah, never happens with these. Uh, so tough and durable. Again, you could wear it uh, for warmth as an undershirt, or you could just wear it on its own. It's gonna last. And then on top, I'm wearing a work shirt because I pretty much always wear our work shirts. Um, it could really be anyone because I, I think my closet has all of them in there. <laughs> ah, okay. So we've got a work shirt. We've got the left hand twill jacket and jeans and one of your heavy tees. That's good. I like yeah. that. Yeah, and you are now protected against... Just out of interest, what would your boot of choice be? Yucatan. Main guide boot. Would it really? Yucatan. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. I, I have... I, between my wife and I, I think we have... 60 pairs of Yucatan boots. No fucking way. Really? 60? Yeah. 60 yeah. zero? That's six incredible. Zero. Wow. That is Not impressive. just boots, but shoes. Everything. I, I, for the last 10 years, I've been buying like... Yucatan. Yeah, maybe two or three. <laughs> we aren't going to buy denim, season. I'm guessing, so therefore you can spend it all on boots. You're a bit like me. Right. So <laughs> I, I, I just, you know, I'm right, like for, right now, for example, I'm like my wife and I are both wearing our, our beaver fur, uh, uh, like kind of slip on shoes from Yucatan. I, I, I love them. Nice. They're, they're furry. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> They're weird, and people stare at us all the time because yeah. we're wearing shoes that are like furry on the outside, but they look, I, I love them. That don't matter. So, okay, right, so we're going to enter the final chapter, and this is uh, going to be nothing to do with Naked or Famous Denim, or the Umbran brand. This is okay. just going to be us having a little bit of fun with you, <laughs> if that's all right, Bazard. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm going to ask you some would-you-rather questions. And you need to answer with the first thing that comes into your head. Okay. 
Okay. So, are we ready? Are you ready? This I is the fun so. part. Right. <laughs> would, would you rather always be 10 minutes late or always be 20 minutes early? Early. Would you rather lose all of your money and valuables or all of the pictures you have ever taken? Jeez, pictures. <laughs> Would you rather be able to see 10 minutes into your own future or 10 minutes into somebody else's? My own. Would you rather be famous when you are alive and then forgotten when dead? Or would you rather be unknown whilst alive and then famous when you die? Famous alive. Hmm. Would you rather go to jail for four years for something you didn't get, uh, for something you didn't do, or get away with a, with something horrible you didn't, uh, and then live your life in fear that you get caught for that crime? Oh, I'm I'm getting away with it. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather accidentally be? Resp oh, no, I'm not reading that one. <laughs> I'm not reading that one. Too far. Would you rather your shirts be always two sizes too big or one size too small? Big. Big. Would you rather live in the wilderness, far from civilization, or live on the streets in the city as a homeless person? In, in the wilderness. Yeah, for fucking sure. Who would want to live on the streets? Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so... Right, and a few more. Uh, these are a bit more quick-fire questions that tell everybody okay. that's listening a little bit more about you, my mate. Are you ready? If you could buy any yeah. type of food right now, what would it be? Pizza. What <laughs> colour is your toothbrush? Brown. If you could be any animal, what would it be and why? A liger. Yes. yes! Napoleon I Dynamite. I had a, <laughs> a vintage shop called Liger's. Uh, around All 15 right. years ago, yeah. <laughs> and why would you choose to be a liger? Why? Because I didn't know that animal even existed until Napoleon Dynamite, which and is, I love that movie. Which is one of the best films in the Ever. world. What he a got, dance. He got paid £2,000 to make that film. Uh, right, okay. What is one of the things you would put on your bucket list? Uh, to be in a pro wrestling screen. match. To be in one, yeah. Oh, wow. oh against Bazard. Yeah. Who's oh, against? Who's your favorite wrestler of all time? All time. Yeah. All time is Hulk Hogan. <sighs> That's just default answer. <sighs> no, but I agree with you on that. I agree, but I've got nah. so much love for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Right. Like, I struggle with them both. Stone Cold. Presently, my the greatest wrestler on the planet is Kenny Omega. Mm -hmm. My favorite. I, I I watch him constantly. He's the greatest. He's the best. Is that is Kenny Omega? Um, he's from Pro Japan Wrestling, isn't he? he? He's in New Japan. He's from Winnipeg. New Japan. He's, that's it. Yeah. 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 Unbelievable. Yeah, he is unbelievable. Didn't he have a fight with Chris Jericho sometime not long back? Yeah, he did at, at, at the last Wrestle Kingdom. Who actually? Uh, who won that? Kenny won that one. Yeah. Jerry Coe puts everybody over though now. He's like kind of done his work and he'll put anybody over. But uh, yeah, it's a, uh, that's a brilliant answer. Yeah. I like that. So. Well, he, he's, he's the intercontinental champion of uh, in New Japan right now. Is he really? 
Yeah. Oh, that's good. You see, the thing is, I'm in a bit of a gap period because I always love wrestling. And then as I got a bit older, for whatever reason, I stopped watching it. And then I had my first little boy. And when he turned six, he got really into it till he was 10. Mm-hmm. So I got right into it with him. And then he's now 12. So I haven't done it for a, two, for a few years. But now I've got Milo that turns six in April, so and, he, and, and he's starting. Me, he's starting to get me to put wrestling on YouTube for him. I, I really so I know that sorry, it's coming just, back. Well, there's there's a lot of great wrestling happening in the UK right now. So yeah, well, especially but, in the independent scene. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's really strong at the minute, isn't it? Really strong. I'm gonna fire some. Um, I'm gonna fire some wrestling names at you from my youth. Okay. My fa- my <laughs> favorites. Okay. Diesel. Uh, yeah, yeah still Nash. about. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Nash. Lots of stories about him. Papa Shango. Oh, uh, Dynamite Kid passed away uh, yesterday. Oh, no way. From Blackpool. That's right. Oh, really? Yeah. He was apparently a really nasty bloke, though. He was supposed to have been like a little Yorkshire Terrier. You know, like in uh, changing rooms and that. He wore British right. Bulldogs. Tag team partner. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. And you can watch yeah. documentaries on YouTube about him. And he's like a skinny old man and... Really bitter. Yeah, it's he, just it's really strange, isn't it? Well, I think his career was cut very short, and uh, you know, I guess that, that that weighs down on you, right? Yeah, yeah. It uh, they don't seem to be able to get over it. A lot of wrestlers. No. It's weird. It's like I'm fascinated by the lifestyles of them. Um, yeah. Papa Especially like the eighties and nineties uh, guys. Yeah, it's the wrestler with uh, Kevin Rourke. Mickey Rourke is yeah. one of my favorite films. Good. It is good, isn't it? It's Great unbelievable. Movie. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But so. Glenn's still spouting names at his ear, so <laughs> we'll, we'll let him have his say. Papa Shango. Good wrestler. Yep. Brilliant character. You know, he was... Papa Shango uh, later on became the godfather. Yeah. Ho, Trey! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. Brilliant wrestler, in, uh, yeah. In, good. On television today. He's, uh, in the, uh, he's in the Hall of Fame, I think. He's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah too um... I'm going for the old school name. Go on. One, two, three, kid. Boof. I don't know yeah, much about X-Pac. it. X-Pac. Is that what it were? Yeah. X-Pac. Yeah. Fucking hell, of course yeah, it were. Yeah, X-Pac, one, two, three, kid, and then he was six for a little while also. Yeah. Jesus. But he's mostly, I think, mostly famous for being one, two, three, kid and X-Pac. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D-Generation X. Road Dog. He was my favourite. Yeah, yeah. Were he really? Yeah, Road Dog were my favourite back in the day. He makes an appearance on WrestleMania yeah, every three years. He, well, he does, but he's he works behind the scenes in WWE now. Yeah, he's got mm. like a job within him, hasn't he? He's got yeah. like a... Yeah. I think that, he's development or, or think, maybe production. I, I'm not really sure. But I, uh, I see him on whenever I'm watching these documentaries, I always see him behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. he is there a lot. It's I find it amazing how all these guys are all so big and they're all so beefy. And a lot of them do actually dislike each other. Yet they're going to a ring and have a fake... Not fake, fake's wrong, because a, a scripted, a scripted fight. Yeah. You mm. know, like anybody that can drop 30 yards from a fucking mm. ladder onto his back, they're not faking it. Right, no. They're athletes. No, they're... The 100% athletes. Yeah. But it's mm. uh, it's amazing, oh. the whole chemistry between them all is strange. favourite WWE slash WWF moment? Ooh, I know mine. Oh, Favorite moment? I know mine. Okay, this one is a is maybe the most memorable moment. Okay, there's two. There's the CM Punk pipe bomb moment on Raw. Which have YouTube a lot of the time. The game microphone. YouTube. That is brilliant. Yeah. 
they gave him they gave him a hot mic and and he just went off. That was great. And maybe the most memorable moment for me was when Jake the Snake put that freaking cobra on yeah. Macho Man. Oh yeah, when his arms yeah. were wrapped in when his arms were wrapped in the uh, in yeah, the yeah. thing. Yeah, he put the cobra on. The cobra was biting him. Yeah, it were. It actually did bite him, didn't it? You see, I've got. See, that's a memorable moment from my youth, and I remember that. And I also remember it might have been like WrestleMania Seven, where Macho mm-hmm. Man, Randy Savage, and Ric Flair had a title fight, and they were both covered right. in blood. But the the one my favourite now, as an adult, that I watched with my son, maybe six years ago, without doubt was, and I, and it is my favourite now. If I could watch any match in wrestling history other than Royal Rumble 1992, which is what got me into it all in the first place, mm-hmm. uh, I would say it was Triple H, The Undertaker, Steel Cage, WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels as referee. Yeah. That match. Oh, yeah. I had so much fun watching that match with my son. We were like, <laughs> literally, like, we, every WrestleMania we'd get all pizzas in. You know, get all shit snacks in. You yeah. know, like, and rest, yeah. it, uh, you know, it'd be Monday night <laughs> because in America it would always be on at four o'clock in the morning. So it'd always be Monday night on pay per view. And uh, I got dressed up as a wrestler. For <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, that match were absolutely, that is the best match I've ever watched. Mm. The Undertaker and Triple H with yeah. Shawn Michaels as referee. I like that. Um, the Hell in a Cell um, when Mick Foley yeah and he throws him yeah. off top that's good isn't it I never saw just, I, just incredible I, I think I would say I, that if I'd, if I'd watched it live but I didn't mm. so I can't that's that, that's the match I show people whenever somebody tells me wrestling is fake yeah you yeah. can like Mick I Foley said, oh, well, fake, I said fake that <laughs> yeah <laughs> good luck with that go, go for it it's uh, have you read his autobiographies Mick Foley's autobiographies <laughs> No, but I, I would be interested in reading them. They are fucking unbelievable. And because they're just written in his language, mm. like there's no sort of... Filter. Just, yeah, there's no filter. It's, they're just written like a normal bloke writing a book. Mm. They are, I couldn't can, put them down, me. Do you remember Both the Boiler Room match with Mankind and Undertaker? I can't remember. Oh, no, it no. weren't Undertaker, were it? Who did it well, there was an I Give Up match with, Mick Fo- with uh, Mankind and Rock, and Rock like hits him in the head like 15 yeah. times yeah. in the wheelchair. His kids were there as well, weren't they? Well, Rock was still wearing tracksuits to fight in. It was yeah. like, uh, yeah, yeah, that was a bit brutal, that really, to yeah. be honest. Because he didn't say thank. He didn't, he didn't go up to him afterwards after the match backstage. Didn't he? Rock didn't right. know. That one was rough. Yeah, that one was rough. Yeah. It's on the uh, Beyond the Mat documentary, isn't it? Uh, oh, I've seen that one. Yeah, it's, yeah, if you watch Beyond the Mat documentary, it shows him choreographing match, and then it's actually happening. Uh, and his kids, because Mick Foley's wife is a model. She yeah. wore a model. She's absolutely gorgeous. Mm. Anyway, Fair play to him. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of gorgeous yeah. and wrestling, Lita, <laughs> the best. She were on it the other day. Actually, She's I think a, my hero. <laughs> yes. Anyway, yeah. Uh, let's in a metal move. Band. Let, anyway, let's. Back into the, Let's we, get back uh, to the podcast. We, yeah, we right, segued right, a bit there. Uh, ben. We just started another podcast. Okay, so we did the bucket list thing. Who is your. Uh, who do you admire the most in the world? My wife. My glorious wife. Oh. Beautiful. What a question. What an answer. I thought you were going to say Hulk Hogan then. Okay. <laughs> if a, uh, this is a good one. If a movie was made of your life, what genre, what genre would it be and who would play you? Oh, 
that's a tough one. I do enjoy movies a lot, mm-hmm. and I like Jake Gyllenhaal. Just I don't know. I think he's yeah, looks, no, he's good looking tough. fucker grows a right beard as well. And, or or like a, a Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah, a bit older. Uh, You'd be a bit older with a Keanu Reeves, wouldn't you? Yeah. Right. Um, the unfortunate truth is, is, as much as I would like it to be an action adventure film, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be any of those things. Certainly not going to be a romance film. <laughs> it's not a horror film. I, I don't know. It's going to be uh, some kind of soap opera. <laughs> I have no idea. It, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be particularly entertaining. <laughs> in that case, Nicholas Cage can play you. It's fine. <laughs> okay, what is the one thing that annoys you the most? Oh, repeating myself. Hey, what was that, sorry? Repeating myself. Hey, got him, he got him. <laughs> what is the strangest thing you have ever eaten? Mm. Um, this one weirds people out is that I've like raw chicken oh really yeah like in Japan you can go to like raw chicken sashimi restaurants yeah yeah I've heard this and Mm. you you can get raw chicken and like whenever I tell people that they're like and I've eaten whale before I've had you know shark fin soup I've had you know when in Rome, sometimes you you, you know you try things, mm. and uh, yeah, raw chicken, raw horse, but raw chicken freaks people out. They think I'm supposed yeah. to be dead by now. Yeah, that's I'm that's why chicken. people. That's why. But the chicken actually has to be infected before you eat it for it to be right. Yeah, and they they have like some kind of special chicken that they use, very fresh and like. So, mm. anyways. Yeah, no, that's good. No, I, I appreciate that. But if you don't mind me asking, is it just raw chicken or does it come like marinated in any way? Uh, sometimes it's just raw chicken. And then like you can dip it in soy sauce or whatever, but uh, yeah. yeah, they'll they'll like slice pieces of raw chicken. It's just raw chicken. Okay, where would you go if you were invisible? Oh, um... You know, as much as, like, the 14-year-old version of me wants to see something, <laughs> um, like, that wouldn't be appropriate, because I'm an adult now, and I know that that's not appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, where would I go now? Um, I don't know. Like, like the White House? I just want to know what's going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Really I'd be the same. I'd like going to, like, Manchester United's dressing room or something and listen to speech at half time or something. Yeah. You know, like something really boring, yeah. I'd pick a good would. football team though, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what is your biggest addiction? Um right now it's movie collecting. Oh really? I've gone through that yeah. stage as yeah. well. Okay. I, I I've like I had a pretty good movie collection and like this year I don't know what it is, but like I've added maybe 600 movies to my collection in the last wow. six months. In what Bazaar, format? Does that, in what d- format? Bazaar, does that mean that you've just Blu-ray. got net? Does that mean that you've just got Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to own all the movies. <laughs> so do you buy them on DVD like, or Blu-ray or uh, did you say Blu-ray? Blu-ray, and here's and the, the weird thing is that like 
the DVDs that I like of movies that I like, I just upgrade them. I just get Blu-rays versions of all of them. <laughs> it's really interesting that as well because I went through a stage probably about eight years ago and I bought the top 100 DVDs as rated by IMDb. Did you really? Yeah, yeah, right yeah. On. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch yeah, them all? I, yeah, yeah. So I've got everything from Citizen Kane through to Gone with the Wind through to fucking Jaws and everything else. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Love that. Yes, you know, there's this set that just came out in the UK. Um, uh, a Disney Blu-ray set of like every Disney, not maybe not every Disney film, but like every major Disney film from like the 1938 until now. That's and amazing. Like, I, I want to buy it, but it's it's a UK only release, and you guys are Region B, which yeah, doesn't yeah. work so much for me. <laughs> What's your favourite Disney film, Bazad? Lion King. Ah, they're remaking it as yeah, well, aren't they? Like they did Jungle yeah, Book. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, that'll be good. That I'm a Little Mermaid kind of guy. I'm almost sure Beyonce <laughs> is going to play somebody in that film. She just she looks a bit like a female. Lion. She's going to find her way in there. Yeah, yeah, she definitely will do. Okay, so the the very very last question. Let me have a look for a good one. Uh, oh, I like this one. This is very personable and it'll be good for people that's listening. What supply in your house is currently running low? Um, rice. Yeah, <laughs> of course. In my house as well. The exact same answer. Beer in I needed some last night and I had no, I definitely had beer. But I definitely didn't have no rice and I needed it last night. So. <laughs> Because it, it's like it's winter here in Canada now, and it's cold. And like, to be fair, I'm not that far from the grocery store. Yeah. But I just don't feel like you know Going. getting a 20 pound bag of rice mm. and lugging it through the cold. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep procrastinating. <laughs> <laughs> we get uh, little packets in this country. I don't know if you get them or not. Me and Glenn were talking about Amelia. And don't get me wrong, the oh, more no. the more expensive the normal rice. Well, you microwave them for two minutes. But you microwave them for two minutes and they're perfect. And you can get every oh. flavour you want, every style of rice, and they cost about one pound, so about a dollar. You know, like, okay. so, so rather than go to all trouble, you can just spend 10 quid on rice and put it in your microwave. You know, like, every day you just put a quid's worth in for a pound. We don't have that that here. It's some, no. I'll send you some. I'll definitely get oh, you. Okay. I'll definitely get your address <laughs> after this WhatsApp, and I will send you a box of microwavable rice. It's incredible. All right. I think it will change your life. Well, you know, I was in Japan. Like I said, I was in Japan recently, and I was at my 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 wife's uh, family's house, and uh, she busted out this like incredible microwavable rice. Mm. She's like, this is something that I totally miss about Japan is that we don't have this at home. It's amazing. Sometimes you just want rice. It's amazing. You, you can get it you can get it in a corner it. shop. In in the UK you can get it in the smallest corner shop. Mm. And it's All microwavable rice. Two minutes done to perfection. It's amazing. Before we uh, before we clock off, because oh. I don't I don't want this to end because this is a really it's fun fucking we'll podcast. We definitely have to get you back on. Definitely, Buzzer. definitely. But. Oh, um, I'd be happy to be back. Yeah. I uh, I want to ask you my question, which I ask everybody that I ever meet or speak to oh, I'm in let person. You do this. I'll be back in one set while you do um, this. I want to know the you're on death row, and I want to know what starter. You're gonna eat what main, what dessert? I want to know what drink. Okay, um, it's probably.
probably the starter. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, there's a, a, a... No, I don't even remember the name of the steakhouse we go to. Um, Something off the menu? It's uh, it's in Ve- it's steakhouse in Vegas we always go to. Like, every year, it's like... A t- Every, every six months, whenever we're in Vegas for the trade shows, we go to this one steakhouse. It's, it's owned by Emerald Legacy. Okay. Know, forget. Anyways, we get... Everything we eat there is in, in, incredible. And if it was my last meal, you know, I, I would have the steak and they have like these truffle chips. Nice. And, uh, you know, they have this cream corn that's incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, would, I would have a, a, a ginger ale or a Coca-Cola. Okay. What about the desserts? Dessert. What do we eat there for dessert usually? I don't remember. <laughs> I'm usually just, I can't even eat anymore after we've eaten all that stuff. Uh, it'll probably be some kind of ice cream or honey toast. Those would be very nice. What, what scene? Oh, no, wait. Oh, go on. He's got dessert. it. My favorite dessert is the dessert called a Mont Blanc. And uh, I always get those in Japan. And it's like a, a chestnut uh, kind of cream with a, a whipped cream on top. Look it up. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, Mont sounds Blanc. good. Yeah, Mont Blanc in the UK means expensive leather goods from France. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a French-named pastry from Japan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, and while you're eating all this delicious food, you get to watch one movie. What's that going to be? Uh, uh, it's either Kill Bill or Terminator 2. Yeah, Terminator Two is great. That's that's the best. That is the best. Those, ah. those are my favorite movies. Okay, so we're now wheeling you down to the electric chair, Bazaar, um, and you get to listen to. It's quite a long way from your cell to the electric chair. Probably about forty minutes. So you get to listen to one album in full. What's that going to be? Uh, what would that be? Um, maybe Black Album Metallica. Oh, yeah. That's a solid album. It's a solid album. You're talking about the one music, you're talking about the music that you'd listen to, aren't you? On the way to die, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, on my way to die, that's the one. Yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, I'm just looking at your WhatsApp picture right now, and them locks that you carry around with you are amazing. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you appreciate them. You, you, uh... (laughs) You look like uh, you have the same hair as the bassist from Metallica, I reckon. Right. Uh, I've never well, listened. Uh, I haven't had a haircut in 10 years, so. <laughs> what, is that like a naked and famous rule? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, uh, I, I've been growing my hair for so long and I'm just like, ah. Why, why bother don't, now? Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no good barbers in uh, Montreal. <laughs> so well, I'm it. sure there are, but I've never experienced one. It's, uh, it's impressive. That's Very perfect. impressive. I've never listened to the Black Album. Good. From oh, start to finish. Mm-hmm. Never listened to it, but I definitely will. My favourite Metallica song is that I Disappear. Do you know from Mission Impossible? Yeah, Mission Impossible. That is fucking Well, that like a later song. song, though. Yeah, yeah. When they're on Cliff Edge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 When I go down. I, I listen, on my playlists in the shop, I regularly have, like, Obvious one like Master of Puppets and nothing for else whom the bell tolls. No, no, I don't yeah. have nothing else metal, nothing but I have bell tolls. That, that album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. That's a really good story, but we're gonna have to wrap it up because we've been going for nearly two hours now, Bazad. 
So uh, every, everybody's drove to work all week and they're still borderers. It's not your fault, definitely not. That's perfect. Thank you for joining us and taking the time out. Yeah, of you've day, been a brilliant on. guest. We'll definitely have to uh, make it a regular occurrence if that's okay. Absolutely, it's my pleasure to be on. I think we should do one just on uh, wrestling and being a child and growing up and the whole nostalgic. Yeah. And just everything. We even talk about Vince McMahon for a little bit. Vince McMahon. Right. Yeah. And we can compare the differences between uh, North America and, and Europe in that respect. That would be brilliant. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah, yeah we're definitely yeah. going to do that. BMX, Choppers, Child Suites, TV shows, Denny's. And WWE. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Sounds podcast. Perfect. <laughs> you, you guys didn't have ninjas for some reason. <coughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, Ninja Turtles. That's where it's at. Well, oh. you guys had Hero Turtles. Mm. Ah, yes, we did. Teenage Mutant that really Hero fucking Turtles. Bothered me yeah. that Heroes in a Half Shell. To be ninja related for you guys. Yeah. I don't well, know why. I wonder why that were mm. franchise. Maybe. I have no idea. Heroes in a half show. Again, it, revert, it reverts back to fun and pizza. It always comes back around. Always comes back to pizza and art. You know, because Donatello, Michelangelo, yeah. <laughs> Leonardo. Yeah. What Sp- other one? My question is, why did uh, oh, Splinter... Raphael, that was yeah. it. <laughs> why did Splinter wear a dressing gown? Because he's well, fucking hard as fuck. He can do what he wants. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I saw something on Facebook actually today, and someone had put a um, like an A4 piece of paper with duct tape on top of a grate, and it said uh, Ninja Turtle uh, vacancies inquire within. <laughs> I thought that's amazing. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, I need to grow up. I'm thirty. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm older. No, never grow up. My yeah. next, my, my next big birthday is forty. So wow. There you go. Uh, lovely, Bazad. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. We'll leave you to get back to your uh, hard day's work. Really Thank look you. forward to uh, speaking to you again, and this will go live tomorrow sometime, my mate. Mm-hmm. So by the time you wake okay. up, it will be published. Yes, that, fantastic. That's true. I'll, I'll be sure to, to spread it around the naked and famous world as well. Lovely, and uh, say hi to all the naked and famous guys for us. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bazad. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Have a good evening. You too, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye.